Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is Attorney Vince Davis, and this is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of the show is to educate parents and relatives, or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and federal levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. Today we're going to talk about the 388 petition, what it is, when you can use it, and how to use it effectively. We're also going to take calls this morning, so uh, please call in. The guest call-in number is area code 646-668-8791. We don't use names on the show, but call in and please tell us your story or ask your question. Who knows? It may help someone who is listening to the show. So, Welfare and Institutions Code Section 388, that is a petition that you can file with the court to change any prior court order or to ask the court to make certain orders where it hasn't made in the past. The most frequently I see the tool used is when reunification services have been terminated and the parent is heading for what's called the 366.26 hearing, where the court will probably, and the department, will probably try to terminate your parental rights and free your child for adoption. The reason why I'm talking about this today is because I found out yesterday that a 388 that we filed, which was denied by the juvenile court, we took up on appeal. And it seems so long ago that this happened, and we just got the opinion. I got an email to me yesterday by the clerk of the Court of Appeals, and the opinion said that the juvenile court was reversed, and in other words, we won the appeal. Now, this is significant because percentages of appeals, um, the parents and relatives usually don't win those uh, types of appeals. We're going to be posting that decision um, on our social media so that you can take a look at this and read it for yourself about what the appellate courts are saying about 388 petitions and when they should be granted hearings, when they should be granted with respect to doing what the person asked. It's important that you do this 388 with the help of an attorney who is skilled in this area of law. The reason why I say that is because the form itself, the Judicial Council form that California has made is just, I think, about four pages. And you fill in your name and fill fill in some other information, you check a couple of boxes. And a lot of people think 388 petition. That is not what you need to do to file a 388 petition that's going to probably be granted by the judge. The way the process works is you file the 388 petition, and in most courtrooms throughout California, 
the judge has to decide whether he or she is going to give you a hearing. Then if you get the hearing, you still have to win the hearing. Okay? So just because it's granted doesn't mean that you get what you want. You still have to win the hearing. Now, here's something that's happened in a, happening in a lot of courtrooms, and it's different from the way things used to be. So I'm just going to tell you what courts are doing now. You file a 388. They have a hearing. And the judge lets the other attorneys argue for or against granting you a hearing on the 388. Not arguing for or against whether you should win your 388, but arguing for or against whether you should even be given the chance to win your 388 petition. If you get past that hurdle, then you get to put on your hearing. Now, unfortunately, judges have great discretion on how to conduct the hearing for 388s. They can allow you to do it by declaration. They can allow you to do it by oral argument. My favorite is, of course, put the witnesses on the witness stand. That's not everybody's favorite because it takes a lot of time, and sometimes judges decide that it's not necessary. I happen to disagree with that version, but I'm not wearing the black robe, and judges are allowed to do what they think is best in any particular case. If you win the 388 hearing and you've requested certain things like more family reunification services, don't terminate my parental rights, more visitation, a different type of visitation, um, unmonitored versus monitored visitation, weekend overnights versus, you know, a day visitation. So there are a lot of things that you can file the 388 for. I use a 388 in a lot of cases, and I file it to make sure that relatives can get the child placed with them. I'm involved in a case right now where, and this is up in a county in Northern California, where basically the judge keeps saying the children with the relatives in Mississippi. Well, there's a problem with that for the CPS agency. Mississippi is a long way away. The money follows the children. And if the kids go to Mississippi, the county that I'm in in Northern California is not going to get money for this case. That's my theory anyway. So what I've had to do is I've had one of the grandparents stay in Mississippi so that the state can come check them out. I've had one uh, grandparent move to California so that they can get the children right now. Guess what? The judge released the children to the grandparent here in California, and after 27 days, uh, the social workers came and got the children and placed them in the foster care about an hour and a half to two-hour drive away from the parents. I really think this is punishment uh, for the parents for a variety of reasons, including they had the audacity to hire me from Los Angeles to come up there and try to fight the local CPS agency. The judge keeps telling them, place the children with a grandparent, and they're not doing it, and they're coming up with reasons. So we started the trial, and I asked the social worker, I said, you know, 
you took the children away from the grandparents at 27 days. Why? And the social worker said, well, that's the policy. I don't know everything, but I said, is that a state policy? I don't know, was her answer. Well, is that a county policy in your county, Yolo County? I don't know. And, of course, I was asking, was it a written policy? Is this something you guys just do, make up on your own? So she said, finally she said, well, it's policy of our office. And I don't recall if she said it must be written or maybe she implied that. So the case was stopped and continued because of other reasons, timing. And in the interim, I subpoenaed the person most knowledgeable about that policy. They recently contacted my office and told us there is no such person that is most reasonable, most knowledgeable on that issue, and um, we don't have a written policy. So what I think that social worker did was she didn't tell the truth on the witness stand. And, of course, I'm going to make that an issue the next time we go to court. But I digress. I'm supposed to be talking about 388 petitions. So... It's a great tool to file for relatives when the relatives want the child and the social worker doesn't want to give the child to the relatives for many, many different reasons. Before I start taking calls, I want you to know this. Not only do you need to fill out the form correctly, but you need evidence and you need points and authorities. Now, let me explain the evidence you need. You need declarations under penalty of perjury from witnesses that state facts. Say you're filing a 388 petition, excuse me, you're filing a 388 petition to change the parent's visitation from once or twice a week for one or two hours monitored to eight hours a day unmonitored or even weekends and overnights. Well, you would have to include with your 388 petition probably declarations from your service providers that will say, mom has completed the parenting class. Mom has completed the counseling. Mom has completed the anger management. Mom has completed the drug diversion program, or she's doing great in it. Mom has had 10 clean drug tests on and on and on. I hope you get the picture. So you need those pieces of evidence. And if you're granted a hearing, you might have to bring those witnesses into court to testify because those declarations are just hearsay. Those declarations were just being used to get you the hearing. I hope you followed that. It is progress letters, completion letters, certificates that, you know, mom has completed and is participating in all of these different services. The next thing you need, excuse me, the next thing you need is the points and authorities. Now, legal points and authorities are case law and statutes that under a certain method that attorneys write and communicate in called the IRAC method, um, you show the judge how the law supports the law and the facts support your request. I hope, I hope I'm making that clear. It's kind of like a little formula. It's the law and an analysis of that law that show that the evidence that you gave the judge supports the request that you made. 
In my opinion, this is a vital part of the um, 388 petition. And <clears throat> a lot of people file 388s, and they have no idea that they should file that the points and authorities because it gives a legal basis. Now, remember, you're trying to just initially get the right to have the hearing. After you get the right to have the hearing with all of this stuff, then you got to go to court and you got to have the hearing. <clears throat> and it's basically a mini trial. I like to, I like to do 388s. I call my, my uh, clients, service providers, the parenting instructor, the counselor, the drug counselor, the anger management counselor, uh, the drug testing facility. Sometimes the county counsel and other attorneys in the case will stipulate that those facts are true and you don't have to call those witnesses. But you probably need that stipulation in writing via email or some type of signed stipulation. Because sometimes it's happened to me, uh, somebody has told me, oh, I'm going to stipulate to that document coming into evidence. You don't have to call the witness to lay the foundation to introduce it into evidence. And then we get to the hearing five minutes before, oh, I changed my mind. And if you don't have that in writing to show the judge, you're going to be caught short. I recently did a 388 a few weeks ago, and to my surprise, uh, the county counsel and the minor's attorney, who were both against me, stipulated to all of my evidence coming in without me bringing in the witnesses to testify to say, hey, yeah, I wrote that report, or hey, mom came to all the parenting classes. So, you know, it's case-by-case basis, courtroom basis, judge-by-judge basis, attorney-by-attorney basis. So you got to make sure you have all your basis covered before you do that hearing. So that's what I wanted to say in brief about 388 petitions. If anybody has any questions um, further regarding 388 petitions, you can call my office and get a free consultation, uh, 888-888-6582. I've talked enough this morning. I'm going to take our first call. It's from area code 818, ending in 88. Good morning. You're on with Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? I have a question to ask, Mr. Vincent. Good morning to you. Good morning, sir. How are you? I am okay. Uh, I have uh, my first question is: case is right now pending in appeal court in the fifth district court, pallet court, and um, uh, I recently I have a hearing for my petition 388 with my uh, court-appointed attorney. And <clears throat> before that, I have no contact order. The no contact order have, have been uplifted. So mm-hmm. I have a, have a contact order right now with my child. I want to ask, if the no contact order have been uplifted, is the child allowed to call or I allowed to make a call? I didn't get that clear in the court. Okay, to give you a definite answer, I would have to tell you I would need to see the last two or three minute orders. But from what you've told me, if the no contact order has been lifted and there is court-ordered visitation, you're allowed to have that court-ordered visitation. But you're asking me a very question, and I don't have the documents in front of me. So what I would advise you to do is you need to email your attorney. Notice I didn't say call. You need to email your attorney with that 
question. Oh, about calling. Uh, so about the calling the child, and uh, between me and my child, right? I have to ask that question. Correct. <clears throat> Correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another question I I want to ask. Uh, now my child have to do because of the negligence last year also this year also. So she have to do the bilateral both hip replacement at Stanford. And uh, I have, they told me that I, 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 I'm allowed to go to the Stanford hospital and can stay down there and everything. Now, I asked for maintenance uh, because of what happening uh, here uh, when the child was placed in foster parents and she never get uh, a treatment uh, for all the medical checkup. And the Stanford ex expert uh, done the evaluations. They say that if the child was seen, uh, much more earlier, we can help her not to do a surgery, you know. But I requested uh, on the 19th to the judge that I want to do a stem cell. I uh, I think a lot of people heard about stem cell. Stem cell uh, is uh, another uh, method that can prevent the sur from uh, surgery, avoid the surgery. But the judge make the ruling that no, uh, they don't allow. It. Uh, so I make three uh, appointments to the facilities, like uh, different different facilities. But the social worker ditched me after every appointment that I make, uh, uh, stating that they will take the child to the to the appointment. But then they, they turn down and they said, "Oh, we have to follow." Uh, the attorney say, "No, you cannot take that." So I said, "I'm the father. I have a, uh, I still exercise my parental right towards my child." medical needs, so why can't I, you know, get, uh, you know, the best treatment for my child? There's too much intervene from the social worker. So how should I overcome this? Okay, I'm sorry, I didn't follow that question. You're trying to overcome the social worker making some type of recommendation? No, the, so the social worker... Number one, I, I make a recommendation uh, for stem cell. I heard about stem cell, uh, 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 you know, that can help people not to do surgery. So I think that is a good thing. So I, I, okay. uh, I, 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 I make a, I brought up appointments to my child and inform the social worker. Initially, they say, yes, they're going to, but later on when appointment day comes, right? And the primary doctor also approved that. You know, they give a referral out. No problem, but then this uh, social worker always, when come to the appointment time, they you know they ditch me. They say no, they are not going to take take. I say why? Oh, we are not allowed to take. You know, uh, the county council say no, you cannot take. So everything is like they monitor the, the child. But I said the negligence happened also under your department care. You know, so that's what happening. Okay, okay. So I understand now. So this is what you have to do, and if you have a pen and a piece of paper, you might want to write this down. Okay. This actually dovetails. This actually dovetails nicely into what I was talking about earlier, the 388 petition. So number one, mm -hmm. you and your attorney have to file a 388 petition. Number two, it must have evidence, and that evidence in this case should be the declaration of the doctors who are working with your child, and the declaration must be focused on the benefits and that they recommend, affirmatively recommend, 
the stem cell treatment for your child. The third thing that you and your attorney are going to have to have is that you're going to have to have the legal points and authorities to show that your request and the evidence that you're presenting should lead the judge to allow this type of treatment. The social worker has made it clear from your story that they're not going to cooperate with you with respect to this stem cell treatment. I don't know why. Um, They may have, you know, a hundred different reasons. And those hundred different reasons, if they are not as good as a medical doctor's opinion, uh, should lose out and the judge should give you an actual court order that you can enforce with the county sheriffs to let your child uh, be examined for the purpose of this cell treatment. I know science has come a long way in the last 50 years, and the law has not kept up with science. So this is one of those situations where you're going to have to actually the evidence. I don't want you or any callers to think that social workers will just do the right thing. In a lot of cases, you're going to have to make them do the right thing. And if they're not doing it because you and your attorney ask, then you got to go see the judge. And you got to when you go see the judge, you just can't show up in the judge's courtroom and say, "Hey, my kid should be getting stem cell research." If I were the judge, I would tell you no, because what you didn't do is you didn't present it to me in the right way. And courts and, and laws and courtrooms—it's all about doing something the right way, procedurally, evidentiary, you know, and legal. And uh, and now, Mr. Courtrooms. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Courtrooms Uh, operate on a different. uh, Operate differently than what you think. I want you to do this. One last thing. I want you to go to YouTube, YouTube YouTube.com, and in the search Mm -hmm. bar, I want you to type Vincent Davis. What is justice? All right, and I want you to watch that. It's about a six- or seven-minute video, and I I think Uh this will explain to you why you think things are unfair. It's going to explain to you why they're actually not unfair. It's just that you're approaching the case or the judge the wrong way. So I want you to watch that video. Uh, I have another question, Mr. I have another question, Mr. Vincent. Uh, I know now this is my third attempt uh, for the stem cell. But the surgery has already come uh, uh, very close. Dr. Michael Bellino already uh, did the uh, uh, surgical procedure, you know, uh, 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 ready for my child. So on the second, she have to go. So I think the stem cell now I can't do much, um, you know, because it's already third time uh, I was turned down. Now, my another question, which is important, uh, <clears throat> my case uh, uh, 2016, when the a child was uh, uh, taken from my uh, my care and placed to foster parent, where she had injuries and she was injected with a lot of steroid and other uh, harmful medicine, and she had scar, scar and bruises. Now, when she came back to me after after she uh, after I get back the custody with the biological mom, 50-50, the case in dependency court was closed on 2017. So now the judge in the because I make an appeal right now in the uh, pallet court and the pallet court make a ruling that the 
the case which is uh, closed or dismissed should not be brought back again, you know. So, which is good, I think, which is good. But the the count uh, the uh, social worker took my child from the school uh, merely on the allegation was closed, uh, despite the child said that I want to return home, and uh, you know nobody forced me, and uh, you know um, uh, did your dad force you or anybody? No, um, and um, they uh, uh, you know they uh, they interview the child without uh, um, you know the child knowledge and without me knowledge without uh, confirm with me, and then they just merely take the child basically on the allegation that have been closed. So now, uh, now the, uh, my child came to court twice. Uh, last time she was walking fine. Now, uh, in such a short time, she have to use crutches both time and uh, back to the court that <clears throat> I she wanna contact uh, with that. You know, so finally now the 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 judge make the ruling. Okay, I can have a contact despite whatever allegation was made. She recanted it. You know. And they keep accusing me for telling her to do that or forcing her. I told very clearly when she make all these recanted statements, she wasn't under my uh, my care. So I, there's no way I can influence her in any way. So they make uh, unbiased allegations saying that I raised my face and all that, you know. Uh, uh, but the police done investigation both time, um, and um, they determined that there's no substantiated. Uh, allegation was found true against me, uh, but everything the judge only follow. He's a commissioner; he's not even a judge. So should I change the judge? Because every time I want to speak up uh, in the court, they said, you know, you cannot talk. Uh, uh, you know, I have representation, but my attorney never do a. Uh, you know, the message was not relate to the judge properly, and the interpreter also was told not to talk uh, to the judge directly. So it's very hard. So, what is your recommendation? Um, do you have a private attorney or a court-appointed attorney? Uh, for this time, uh, I have a court-appointed attorney. You might consider um, talking and getting some recommendations from uh, private attorneys. If you'd like to talk to me further about the case, um, give me a call uh, later today and make an appointment to either talk to me on the phone or to come into the office. But I'm getting a sense uh-huh. that there are some things about your case, if they were done the right way, that you could get what you want. Okay? And, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. we only have a very short period of time for this show today. So give me a call. My telephone number is 888 uh, I have it. I have I okay. have I have your number. All right. And uh, well, thank you, thank you for, uh thank you for the call. Yeah. I look forward to speaking to you. Yeah, what time you want me to call, sir? You can call this morning anytime after nine o'clock. Okay, sure. Thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna take another call right now from area code three two three ending in seven two. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Maybe both. Good morning, Mr. Davis. Good morning. Go ahead. Well, yes. Um, yes, go ahead. Well, 
I'm calling in. Um, I, you know, thank you for uh, seeing my daughter and I. We came in for a consultation, and uh, we discussed case with my daughter. Um, I don't know. If it's more. Maybe it's more of a story. And uh, I have both my daughters on the line with me: No Monica and Van Ria. Ma'am, we have um, about 30 minutes left in the show. Got a lot of people in the uh, queue. Go ahead and tell the story. Okay. Um, Good morning. I was just, um, I guess I was trying to figure out when it comes down, what, what, is best to be done or what can be done in 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 the situation where um the family does, does not have the um, or aren't able to to acquire or get the, the custody of the children well the first thing that you need to do if the children are in foster care and they can't be returned to one of the parents is you have to get the children placed with a relative you know that mm-hmm. relative can or a family friend. It doesn't have to be a relative. It can be a friend. And that person can live anywhere in the United States. So, for example, if your case is, my producer just corrected me, and she's right, those people can live anywhere in the world, not just the United States. Oh, wow. Can, okay. can live any, anywhere in the world. So you can make a list of 25 names, addresses, telephone numbers, and where the, you know, how the person is related or to the child or if they're just a family friend, and you can request the judge to place the children there. But you've got to do it the right way. And the right way, in my opinion, mm-hmm. is filing a 388 petition uh, with the right 388 petition form, which is mandatory in court, and with the declaration and evidence, the declarations and evidence, and with the legal points and authorities. So that's, that's one of those situations where the right – you know, for whatever reason, the social worker isn't doing the quote-unquote right thing and placing a child with a relative. So then you have to go to court and try to force the, the social worker to do that. And that happens a mm-hmm. lot. It happens more than, you know, you would think. So I wouldn't – I don't want you to feel like you're being singled out. Uh, they do this to families all the time, all over California, all over the United States. So mm-hmm. enforce your legal rights. File your 388 petition. Sorry, is okay. it called 388? Yeah, just Google WIC, which stands for Welfare and Institutions Code, just WIC 388. And okay. it'll come up and you read, and then you'll say, oh, yeah, that's what Mr. Davis was talking about. You are probably going to need an attorney who's experienced in this area. So also Google, um, you know. DCFS defense attorney or CPS attorney or something like that, or, you know, give us a call and we can give you a free consultation. I want to thank you for your call. Please keep listening. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to take another call. Area code 213 ending in four zero. Hey, Vincent, how are you? I'm How are you, Vincent How are Davis? You? Oh, I'm uh, I'm encouraged. You? I mean, I've only I'm doing well. I've only got another like three and a half, four months to go, and I'll finish this fifty-two week 
deal that they've given me, and I feel as though uh, they uh, – it's like if you had a brand-new car, you had a brand-new Mercedes, and, and in the department's opinion, you have to get a report from a mechanic that says, uh, please tell us that, that all the huge problems with the Mercedes are fixed, and the mechanic's like – well, what are you talking about? Problems? With it? This is a brand new Mercedes. It's perfect. Oh no, I got to have a letter that says that that the transmission has been totally rehauled, and and so it's it's crazy that you know I, I uh, finished my parenting class, and that's all done, and then the counseling office. I talked to the main director of the counseling office, and I uh, talked with him. I said we got to make sure we cover boundaries and sex abuse and parenting. So he said that the letter, because I have to go to Kaiser, said well we can't write any letters to the Department, we'll write a letter to you. So, well, as long as it addresses these three things, that that'll be fine. I've contacted all of my other uh, therapists. I have therapists I've seen over the years. I'm trying to get back with them and see if I can meet with them. And my question today, after my little story there, is this: is that I, I believe, if I heard correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that it is possible to sue. Uh, once the case is closed and within a certain time period, it is possible to sue the Department of Children and Family Services and to get compensation for wrongs. And uh, through my family, uh, I don't know directly, but through my family, it appears that the uh, the children that are involved in my particular case are have been really traumatized by this whole, it's coming up on a year in November, and um, so to me, that would be a, a litigious sort of a thing that, you know, the kids were obviously happy, healthy, and well before the department got involved. And now they're traumatized and they're, they're confused and they're lethargic and they aren't, they aren't behaving the way they used to. And they're just been like, they've been put through it. So what kind of things do I need to start collecting and getting together so that, uh, I would say, you know, if my last, uh, you know, if my if my court appointments or whatever, maybe you can answer this question. I'm going to finish up all the 52 weeks, January the 21st. Martin Luther King, God bless the Reverend King. Uh, I'll be, according to my records, I'll be able to finish up the two classes a week. They allowed me to double up on the classes. They wouldn't let me triple, but, uh, you know, I'm going to finish those up by Martin Luther King Day. Then if I have a court date within a couple weeks of that, how long after that will the department let go of, uh, my family, and then when would you come in, and what kind of documentation or authentication would you need, and would my case be uh, something that that you could uh, sue? I know you take about twenty or thirty percent, whatever it is, but my family needs to be compensated because I've lived in my car for the last coming up on a year. I mean, I've gotten very good at it, and I park in safe places, and I don't sleep on the beach or downtown LA without without my car. I mean, it's been a horrible that. There's been two men killed down at the beach and two more guys killed downtown with bats. People just bash their heads in and kill them. It's like so scary and so sad, you know. The whole homeless situation is sad, but I'm just talking about my children and my family, and we've all been through the ringer for nothing. Just because the department has this, you know, ability to say, well, we're just not sure, you know. And I heard what you said earlier to the other caller that every court, every attorney, every commissioner or judge – uh, or a referee is different. And uh, in my particular story, you know, I had a mother-in-law 30 years ago that wrote up a bunch of junk about me, and they're, they're, they have that in their hands as though that is the most important, oh, my, huh, look, 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 and they're, just, and they're just going frenetic over this document that's 30 years old, and there's been nothing, nothing, anything like that in 30 years. But, no, look, we got him, we got him. And so 
it's crazy. This court has just taken my case and, and just they're just going to the nth degree, interpreting every single sinew of the law in the most sinister and crazy method they can just to hurt my family. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's just insane. So what do you think there, uh, uh, Mr. Vincent uh, Davis, about the uh, things that I have to do myself as the father of the family and, uh, and encourage my family to, I know we probably have to have affidavits that's there you know, to talk about the kids, that their kids therapists probably have to be able to do some kind of documentation. And, um, but what do you think about that, uh, Mr. Davis? Well, I think that, um, you know, every case is a case by case basis that you have to look at and analyze. Um, generally, yeah. you know, if you want to sue the social worker in the county, um, you have to prove some type of violation of civil rights. Uh, and that usually happens uh, in three different ways. Number one, the social worker detains your children without a warrant. That's uh, called a Fourth Amendment violation. Or the second way, and it happens more frequently, the social worker takes uh, your children based upon things that aren't true, either lies or exaggeration of the facts. Um, we're representing a family right now in federal court where the uh, social workers, the social workers came in with the police and took the children from the family based upon things that just weren't true. And uh, unfortunately, the family had a trial in the juvenile court, which they lost. And then they appealed, and they won the appeal. And the, the Court of Appeals says, look, there's no basis for taking the children. Um, and now we're, of course, suing the social workers in uh, federal court. So, right. you know, it's on a case-by-case basis. And, and the third area that we, we, we represent people suing the county and social workers is where a child has been placed, usually in some type of foster care situation, and the child is injured, either physically or sexually abused. And then that happens uh, more than you would think when we place these children in supposedly safe places called foster homes. So well, I've, I've heard of it. My own, my own son, my own son, he was in foster care for about two days, and, and uh, they allowed him to stab his eye into a sharp table. My beautiful son was not, didn't have any injuries until that point. So uh, from these three points, I think that the exaggeration of the facts in my case, because I do have, as you know, because uh, we've talked before, I have this re- registration requirement with the government. But uh, the fact is, is that, uh, I, I, you know, they've never, no one's ever claimed I was a sexually violent predator. I wasn't on parole. I was on probation, but about 10 years ago, the little misdemeanor that started the whole thing was been dismissed. And in fact, I'm a mandatory reporter now. I work for the state of California. I gave him my passport, my license, all my information, and I cleared all the security hurdles. And now I work for the state, uh, you know, in a very little minuscule little job that only happens once in a while. But I'm also an election official. I'm going to go to the elementary school, work the elementary school. All these things are, are, are considered, oh, my gosh, you know, it's, it's, it's just to me that would fit into this exaggeration of facts, that they took my kids, they destroyed my family, uh, they tried to destroy my family, uh, you know, based on exaggerations and hysteria 
taking the law and just stretching it to the absolute utmost, uh, you know, the attorney that I have that thank you for your recommendation. Uh, you, you're a great attorney and you do recommend the well and you're a good counselor of uh, facts, um, the 188 and the civil code. And, but he said that, look, you've got to just do these steps because the department's not going to be happy until you complete these things. I think it's because of the Weinsteins and the Matt Lowers and the CBS guy and all the stuff that's happening in society. There's just no tolerance. And, and the Department of Children's Animal Services just wants to be able to say, look, we, had, we did all these things. Look, we checked them out. We did all these things. So I, I'm willing to do it. And I, I don't like it. It's been very, very frustrating. I feel claustrophobic in my car. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just it's just horrible, you know, to not be near with my family. I get to see my daughter twice a week for two hours. And um, my attorney just recently recommended that I present the, and I did do this, present the parenting class completion and then present all the other evidence that I have as far as the things that I'm doing. I mean, I'm a community member. I'm a member of, a, of a, the Elks Club. And uh, I, I donate Red Cross and all these things I'm doing to show uh, – basically, he basically is telling me that – and I want to know what you think about this giving, – giving kind of a mini trial to the social worker uh, to get the visitations liberalized at all or getting, them, getting more of them added on uh, because I have to convince a social worker that I'm not a risk because he has to go with the, what the court said. And the court said, oh, yeah, you know, this guy is a real risk. Oh, my God, look at this. And – you know, and it just so. What do you think about that, Mr. Vincent? Um, I think that you're right, and um, if you would like to discuss it any further, I'd like you to give give me a call at my office number, eight 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 six five eight two. And I want to thank you for calling today, uh, and keep listening. I'm going to take another call I, before our hour runs up. Okay, you got about eighteen minutes there. Have a great day, Vincent. Thank you. The next call I'm going to take is from area code 818, ending in 54. 818, ending in 54. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent Davis. Do you have a story Good to morning. tell or a question to ask? Um, I probably both. Um, my my story um, begins with um, me and my wife, which is soon to be ex-wife. Um, got into a domestic dispute. Um, within the domestic dispute, um, she was arrested. I obtained a restraining order and a, an emergency uh, protective order. And when we went to court for the restraining order, she um, was ordered to move out of the residence, and I got awarded full uh, legal and physical custody. Upon that time, um, the social worker got involved because of the domestic dispute and children were present. And um, at the time, my wife works for a child um, welfare agency. Um, it's not the DCFS, but it is a uh, Los Angeles County child welfare agency. So she knows the system and she knows how to, you know, fraudulently get things done and say things that needs to be said to make things happen. So, however, when the um, social worker from DCFS got on the case, um, her and my wife had known each other from a previous, um, from a previous situation where my wife's nieces had got 
detained from my wife's sister. My wife ultimately helped the um, the social worker place a few of the children. So upon that, the social worker and my wife, you know, had, you know, acquaintances before. So went on, I noticed that, you know, there was a form of biasness going on. I then contacted the social worker's um, supervisor, and uh, nothing was done about that to get the social worker removed from the case. Um, I then contacted um, the administrative assistant. I spoke to him and then ultimately went to the top of the line and contacted the RA. Um, Once I contacted the RA and sent the social worker an email requesting that she be removed from the case and also um, seeking for um, some type of reprimanding to um, occur because of the biasness and because that she should not have even taken the case due to, um, you know, a conflict of interest. So as I sent the email and contacted the RA, the next um, the next day the um, the social worker sends me an email and says that she's referring our case to dependency court because of child abuse allegations that my ex-wife had reported. Now, upon that, the social worker never interviewed me about the uh, the child abuse, none of my children. And my ex-wife was not present during the situation or anything of that nature. So we go to dependency court within uh, two, two to three days of me receiving this email. And while we get to court, I read the report, and the report is so full of lies that it is just totally outlandish. I mean, this woman wrote a screenplay. And so I wasn't able to defend myself within the report that she had written. And they said that, you know, it wasn't until about 60 days later when we go to court that the report can be disputed. But until then, my children got removed from my care and placed in the care of my my wife, which currently does not have a place to stay, which currently has an active restraining order on her, and she had been on mental stress leave for the past year for postpartum depression. So all of these factors, and they did no investigation on where my children would be residing or anything. They just removed the children from my care and placed them in the care of the mother. So my question is, within that and uh, the the things that she placed in the report can be so easily disputed because they're so untrue. So what what is it that can be done to further um, get something done to the social worker and also change the change the order that has been made for the detention of my children. I know you spoke of the 388, but what else can be done in regards to the social worker? Because I have documentation that I have contacted 
her uh, supervisor, the administrative assistant, the RA, all of these people within the whole DCFS spectrum, and nothing was done. Okay, so let me answer the question for you, okay? Yes. What I neglected to say about 388s is that 388s are supposedly not be able to file until after the disposition hearing, which you are not at. However, I have seen in recent times uh, where people have filed 388s prior to disposition. Uh, And there seems to be a gray area about whether the court can rule on 388 prior to disposition. Unfortunately, at the very first hearing, you were entitled to have what's called a contested detention hearing. And if you and your attorney did not file for a contested hearing, which is... Sir, there's a lot of background noise. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think you can mute your phone while I answer your question? Yeah. Perfect. So you and your attorney were entitled to have a contested detention hearing where you could have challenged the sufficiency of the department's recommendation to remove your child or your children from you. If you did not do that, you were entitled to have what's called a no-time waiver trial um, within 15 court days. But it sounded like your next hearing is like a month or six weeks away. So you've waived that, unfortunately. So unfortunately, in order to get your children back, you're going to have to prove at the next hearing that the allegations against you are false. And the only way that you can do that is by you testifying, your children testifying, the wife testifying, or the mother testifying. And also, you need to subpoena in all of those social workers. You need to bring in all of the emails that you sent so that you can show the judge that this is just a farce. Unfortunately, what I think has happened to you, and I've seen it many, many times in many different counties around California, because you complained and it was apparently substantiated, you're being um, punished. There has been retribution against you, in my opinion. And if you win this case, Uh, you are probably going to have a big, fat lawsuit against that social worker, her supervisors, and the county of Los Angeles. So um, if you'd like to speak more about your case and winning your case in juvenile court, please give me a call, make an appointment to come see me or just to talk to me on the telephone. My telephone number is 888-888. Six five eight two. I want to thank you for calling, and please keep listening. All right, I'm going to take another call. Area code eight three one, ending in zero zero. Good morning. You're on with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Hi. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Okay, go ahead. Someone. Go ahead. Go, go. 
Okay, I'm going to move on. Hi, Loki. Hi, Loki. All right. All right, seems like there was some problems with that call. I'm going to call, next call is area code 424 ending in 27. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hello? Hey, maybe they just want to listen this morning. All right, I'm going to take another call. Area code 626, ending in 68. Good morning. Hello, good morning. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Uh, Yes, I'm currently, uh, I have a DCFS case, and... um, I go back to court October 30th. Um, I just had a court hearing August 30th. Um, they, I have four children. Um, I have a 15-year-old, which they gave me um, back back to me. Um, so I have my 15-year-old, but they still have my other three detained. Now, in me having my 15-year-old, I still have monitored visits with my other three. Um the judge basically went over the social worker, said, you know, they wanted to change my visits. They tried to take my monitor away. You know, I'm still not understanding why my visits are still monitored if I, if I have my oldest who lives with me. Um, they, you know, my social worker, you know, like all most social workers, when she talks to you, she, like, has no, like, she doesn't look. I'm sitting there, she asks me questions, and... I'm answering them, and she's just like, yeah, right, you know, basically looking at at me like I'm full of it. You know, I don't know if she's mad at the fact that the judge went over her and said, you know, as long as I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, I test clean, and um, they have a positive report for my drug and alcohol program, then I'll get my kids back in October. But, you know, now that the judge did it, because she wanted to extend my case for another six months. And, you know, the judge said no, you know, the department's overdoing it. You know, my kids were detained from me due to a relationship that um, the person had um, a domestic violence background. There was no domestic violence in the home, but because he had a domestic violence background, I put my kids at risk because that wasn't their father. It was just some uh, boyfriend that I had. Um, I ended that relationship, you know, when they asked me to, you know, I – started my programs, you know, I did everything they asked me to, and, you know, the social worker is just, you know, going um, not off what the judge is requesting. You know, my kids were detained because I had a hard time leaving that relationship at first, and um, that person um, was helping me. He had to be removed from the home, of course. He left the home, but um, he, he was helping me move some stuff out of the house one day. The kids were at school and a social worker pulled up. And I have had, mind you, I've had five different social workers since January, okay? Um, The social worker pulled up and seen him here outside, not inside the house, he was outside. And, you know, basically she said, you know, this isn't good, and that's when they removed the kids from my home. Um, So since then, like I said, I've had five different social workers. You know, the one that I've had now, I've had her for a few months, um, and she's just made it very difficult. You know, she doesn't give me any information on my kids. Um, my 
my son, my youngest son, has been in and out of mental mental institution hospitals. And my my older son now supposedly has a blood disease, which he never had. Being in these group homes, he might have hepatitis C, something that he never had when he was with me. And I'm, you know, I'm never told anything. I'm never involved. She doesn't tell me nothing when my son's being placed somewhere else. I have to find out through his therapist. You know, um, my visits are, you know, I have all my kids are separated. I have one in Compton, one in Lancaster, and another one in Chino. And she expects my visits to be six hours. I pick my son up in Lancaster with my mother. I pick him up in Lancaster. She doesn't include, I pick him up at nine in the morning, and I have to have him back by three. And the judge ordered my visits to be how they've been since day one from nine in the morning till seven in the evening. And now she's made it where it's only six hours. It's not including transportation. So when I'm dropping off, I'm picking up one Lancaster. That's an hour back. And then I have to go pick up another one. And that's another 30 minutes. And then my other one on the other side of town. And all that's included. And, you know, and when I'm dropping them off, that's included each one's visit. I have to go around the foster parent schedule. You know what I mean? It's 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 just been really bad, you know, and I'm just trying because I'm I'm at the end of this and I'm trying to make the best of it, you know, trying not to go against the department. But you know what? I really feel like enough is enough. Like this lady's just trying to make me jump through hoops. And like but I'm supposed to be testing she sa- weekly. She sounds like I'm she sorry. is trying to she sounds like that she's purposely trying to torment you. Have you talked oh, yes. to your attorney about this? I really, um, it's hard every time, because I, I don't have, I have a public defender. So every time I go in, it's somebody different. Every time I go to court, I have a different, I have a different um, defender. You know, and it's, okay. it's and then. Wait, hold it, because we're running out of time. This is what I want okay. you to do. I want you to call my office today um, after 9 a.m., make an appointment to either come see me or talk to me on the phone, and, and I'll give you a free consultation because I, I think I, be, I can help you with your situation. So my telephone number is 888-888-6582, Give me a call this afternoon or this morning and make an appointment to talk to me or come see me, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your call and keep listening. Well, folks, we're coming to the end of the show. I want to thank everybody for listening and keep calling in each week with your stories and your questions. And watch for our live TV show that we're talking about doing. 